We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. In just a moment, we're going to be going over my film review and grades from this past Sunday's game against the Chicago Bears. A ton of fun stuff to discuss from that game, so stick around for that. Before we get there, a couple housekeeping items first. First of all, thank you so much to our new members, including Pro Bowl member Marcus Sacco, All-Pro members Jennifer Wright in Boomhandle, and Hall of Fame member Arnaldo Espinoza. Appreciate you guys a ton. Thanks so much for signing up. And as always, we shout out our all pro and hall of fame members as well, included most hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Broadad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, and the aforementioned Boom Handle. So thank you guys a ton. Really appreciate all the support. If you are interested in becoming a member, make sure to hit join right below on the YouTube channel. There are four different tiers available with a ton of fun perks. So make sure to check that out. I also just wanted to give a really huge thank you to all of you. This past month on the audio channel for Packaday Podcast. We hit over a half a million downloads. So that is beyond insane. We are up to 76 members here on the YouTube channel. We hit our highest numbers ever on YouTube. Like, you guys are incredible and I appreciate you so incredibly much. So thank you for all of the support. It really means a ton. Um, for those of you who are members, I just wanted to give you a shout out or a heads up, I should say that uh, there's going to be a new members only video coming very, very soon. So be on the lookout for that. Also, we are doing the members only Q&A this Thursday, 7 p.m. So make sure to check that out as well. You can check all of the updates and notes in the community tab on the YouTube channel. And lastly, shout out to Chad Kelly for going 12 and three in our Pick'em group this week and taking a very early lead. Remember, winner gets two tickets to a regular season game next year. All right, I am recording this prior to practice on Wednesday. We did get a Atlanta Falcons update though. However, uh, two players who were out for them last week, corner Jeff Okuda, who you are probably familiar with from his time with the Detroit Lions, did not play great with the Lions, but uh, he is looking to revitalize his career in Atlanta. And then wide receiver, running back, kick returner, extraordinaire, Cordero Patterson also did not play play against the Panthers. He is set to practice as well. So Okuda and Patterson coming back to practice for the Falcons. We'll see if that means that they are going to play against Green Bay on Sunday. 
I don't think either like moves the needle a ton, especially when you have running backs, Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier in the backfield already. But from a kick returner standpoint, Cordell Patterson certainly would give them a boost and Jeff Okuda probably gets in the rotation right away at corner. So that will be something to keep an eye on through the course of this week. All right, let's get to our main event, however, and that is the film review from this past Saturday. I'll go through my top graded players, my bottom graded players, both on offense and defense, and then kind of some key takeaways as well. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. My top graded player from this week, and interestingly enough, so PFF and I, of course, we both do grades. Sometimes we agree on a lot of stuff. Sometimes we don't agree, and sometimes there's differences. But one thing we very much agreed on, we both had the same top offensive player and top defensive player this week. The top offensive player, Zach Tom, plus 1.70. If you're interested in the scoring, go to packerreport.com and you can see a all of the grades uh, from this week. So if you're, you know, don't just want to know who did best and worst, you want to see all of them, you can go to packerreport.com and I also have a full breakdown there as well. And then on the bottom of that article, you will see how I grade everything as well. So if you're interested in that, check that out. But Zach Tom plus 1.70, a massive grade starting at right tackle. Do not move this man. He is a legitimate, fantastic right tackle. His pass protection is outstanding. Now, it will get harder as the year goes along. Chicago's edge rushers, bottom of the league, in my opinion, Yannick Ngakwe, Demarcus Walker, two nice players that you probably want as more rotational players at this stage of their career. You don't have that big time player that you're fearing on defense. So I get that, but at the same token, he just went in and basically pitched a shutout. And you know the, the run blocking overall for Green Bay, a little bit of a work in progress, but I thought Zach Tom was by far and away their best offensive player. I thought he was their best offensive lineman, and he stood out all day long. You could not get pressure on him. His footwork was fantastic. His hands were fantastic. Like just good luck. And the the we knew coming out of college with Zach Tom, we knew a couple things. We knew a he's a phenomenal athlete. And his footwork and agility is like through the roof. So that that was one thing coming out. You also knew coming out of college that his technique was pretty darn good for a college player coming, you know, as a rookie to the NFL. And we saw some of that stuff last year. What you didn't know is was he going to be able to bulk up enough to really handle the day in and day out rigors of the NFL? And then you also didn't know what position he was ultimately going to play at. And was he going to be able to play it at a good enough level? The versatility was always there. You knew he'd probably be able to be like at worst case scenario, a seventh or eighth offensive lineman that could sub in at any of the five spots, but could he find a home at a long-term position? Those questions are answered. He was phenomenal at right tackle. He's been fantastic at right tackle all during camp and in preseason. And I would not move that man off of that spot for anything. Like I get the versatility that he has. If you need a center for Josh Myers, I almost would look at, you know, Elton Jenkins before moving him away. Like I actually like move Elton, keep him inside his position with center in college. I would look for a new left guard. Um, I know they have Yash. I know they have Rashid Walker. So that complicates things because their two best backups are at tackle. So if you do need an interior player, it probably is Zach moving inside, but man, he looks so incredibly good at that spot. I think that's his long-term home. Wouldn't move him off of it. And uh, like you have right now, two really amazing bookend tackles in David Bakhtiari and Zach Tom, which is an absolute luxury to have in this league. And not to mention, you still have Rashid Walker, who looks like a starter to back him up. You have Yash Nyman as your four, who has started multiple games in this league as your fourth offensive tackle. And even then you've got Caleb Jones, Luke Tenut on IR. They have an embarrassment riches of riches at offensive tackle right now. Speaking of that position, my second highest graded player, David Bakhtiari. 
Mr. I didn't practice for the past two and a half weeks prior to the first game of the season. Mr. Everyone's down on him. Does he even really want to play anymore? Is he, you know, does he really care about the Packers? Whatever. This dude was having the time of his freaking life out there on the field. He had a play where he's getting all the way downfield, 20 yards downfield, blocking for Aaron Jones, and then hugs his guy at the end. It's amazing. Check out the, the video. I posted it on Twitter. And then, so I posted that. One of my rules of thumb is I generally don't tag players when I post film. The reason being, if I'm going to be negative about a player or like poke at something that maybe they did wrong, I don't tag them. They don't need to see it. They've cured it from their coaches and like they don't care what I have to say, like legitimately. But if I'm not going to tag them when I'm saying something negative, I don't get to tag them when I'm saying something positive either. It's just kind of my general rule of thumb. I'm not, I'm not looking to make connections with Packer players or be like, hey, look at this, whatever. For whatever reason, just because I, I think David Bakhtiari is a little bit of a different cat and like he's, you know, he is, you know, uh, you know, so experienced and whatever at this point, for whatever reason, I decided to tag him on this one. And I am so happy I did. So I tagged him on the play that he's pulling and he responds back and he said, yeah, you know, something to the effect of, yeah, the, the great play, but did you see the, you know, the gesture prior to the snap? So I'm like, I, I was working on something else and I immediately stopped everything, go and pull up the film, hoping that it's on tape. And I get there and sure enough, right before the snap, he's getting ready. Everyone's getting in their positions, looks up at the crowd, flips the bird to the crowd, gets down in his position, then gets 20 yards upfield, blocks the corner, and then gives the corner a hug at the end. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. And oh, by the way, had a phenomenal game in the meantime. Like, you know who he looked like? David Bakhtiari, like prime David Bakhtiari. He was phenomenal in this game. I don't care if he practices. I do not care. I said this the other day. Let's just say he has a thousand reps on his body for this season. Do you want those reps used in practice or do you want them used in the game? And we don't obviously know that. The Packers don't know that. Bakhtiari doesn't know that. But if his knee only has so much to give this year, let him give it in games. His technique is fantastic. He showed no signs of like not having the stamina to get through the game. He looked really, really good. And the two bookend tackles for Jordan Love. You want to know why Jordan Love had the game that he did? Go back and watch the pass protection in this game, and it starts with your offensive tackles, but he had pockets to step into all day long. The pass protection in this game was phenomenal, and it started with Zach Tom and David Bakhtiari. And then number three, another guy who didn't get to practice a ton and was coming off a, uh, a hamstring injury, didn't get to play his full complement of snaps, Romeo Dobbs. He came up with a huge first down catch on that third and what, 15 early in the game, he, of course, has the t- the first touchdown of the game, getting open against Eddie Jackson in the back of the end zone, and then just goes up and mosses the corner uh, for his second touchdown of the game. Didn't make a huge impact outside of that. Blocking wasn't great in the game, but listen, you have a big first down conversion on the third and 15. You have two touchdowns, including a mossing of a corner on one side of the end zone. You're going to get a, a good grade in this game. And like I said, he didn't even get his full complement of snaps. They were rotating him in and out. You know, Dontavian Wicks played more than him. You know, so this was a really still impressive performance. You can tell Jordan Love has that trust in Romeo Dobbs, and he is going to be a player that continues to get a lot of those 50-50 opportunities when Jordan needs to go someone in a big situation. He's going to look Romeo's way. Romeo paid off that trust on Sunday. Some honorable mentions, Jordan Love plus 0.70. Not like an otherworldly game. Had some throws that he'd like to have back. A couple connections with Jaden Reed kind of went awry. You know, he had the the play the, the the play down the field to Luke Musgrave. Musgrave's more at fault there, as Matt LaFleur mentioned in his press conference, that he needs to continue to take the ball uh, or take the route up the field. Thought Jordan was maybe just a, a hair long on that throw anyway, but tough to tell if, if Musgrave was running full speed to that spot. But overall, 
I thought this was a fantastic game from Jordan. I mentioned it before, 245 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Aaron Rodgers did not do that in all of 2022. The last time was against Baltimore in, tw- or, yeah, in, Baltimore in 2021. So uh, a really nice performance, took care of the football, got rid of it when he needed to, stepped up in the pocket when he needed to. Really one of the, the main negatives is the, the two-minute drill where he ran into that sack. And the, the really crazy, interesting part of that play is if you watch him, there's not much open. He doesn't have a, a really a great spot to go with the football, but he's got a lane right to his right where he can take off and run. Now, I don't know if, you know, just thinking in his head, he's like, all right, we don't have time out, so I can't run up the field. But if he takes off just running to his right, he's got probably, I don't know, 10, 15 yards, and then they're going to be able to get up, spike it, and then, you know, kick an easy field goal. Instead, you know, he he goes to the left for some reason and, and takes an unnecessary sack. You either need to find the right hole to get up to, which, uh, you, like I said, in this case was right there, right in front of his face, or you need to throw the ball away. If that's the biggest thing we're nitpicking from Jordan Love from this game in week one, his first time as a full-time starter, his second start overall in the NFL, you're in really good shape. He had a really nice day overall. And then Aaron Jones, an interesting day as well. Plus 0.5 on the day. We know the angle route for the touchdown. We know he had the, uh, you know, the big explosive run too. Like a lot of really good stuff, or sorry, the, the explosive run on the, the, the screenplay that he had as well. But um, there were a couple runs. There's one early in the game where Josh Myers makes a, you know, gets up to the second level and makes a great block. For some reason, Jones cuts it inside and runs right at the two defenders. If he cuts it outside, he has an easy touchdown on the play. You don't need the throw from Love to Dobbs in the back of the end zone on that one. So uh, there was one other one where I thought he missed the read where he could have uh, bounced it a different way than what he did. So a couple missed opportunities there for Aaron. He's a genius running back. Like he knows where to go almost all the time. It's extremely rare that he gets a negative on any play for not choosing the right spot to go. So not anything to be concerned about in any capacity, but a couple times, like if if he makes those decisions, like it's a huge, huge game for Aaron Jones. And he probably has an extra touchdown on his resume as well. So, and that's even with like not a full complement of snaps because A, you know, they, they kind of took him out a little bit in that second quarter and, and B, he got injured later in the game. So still really nice day for Aaron Jones. Hello friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means 
It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. My bottom three offensive players... Not many, but uh, Josh Myers was by far and away the lowest graded player in the entirety of the game for Green Bay. And it's becoming an issue. And we just talked about Zach Tom and wanting to keep him at right tackle. It makes it hard if your center is not doing his job. I mean, multiple, multiple times where guys are just flying through. And it's usually in the running game. I thought his pass protection was okay. I think PFF had him for no pressures. I don't chart pressures and sacks throughout. The, I just give my grades as I'm you know, sort of charting everything. But um, I thought in pass protection, he held up okay. Uh, but overall in, in run blocking, it was a really tough day for him. A lot of those, you know, one to negative one to, you know, just non-positive running plays. A lot of times we're Josh at, at center and, you know, the all of a sudden, the, uh, you know, the players getting right into the backfield and then the running back has to try to do something to to avoid it. I thought he had a tough day overall and just far too much easy penetration. And it's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating because you see him play and there's some really good stuff. It's the same freaking Josh Myers we've seen for two years now. There's some really, really good stuff on tape from Josh Myers. As I say every single time, and I know maybe you could make this argument for almost every player, but I feel like it's to an extreme extent for Josh Myers. You can put a cut up of Josh Myers from this game together, probably 20 plays where you look at him and you're like, that's a... That's that's probably close to a Pro Bowl center. Like it looks really, really good. And then there's another like 10 plays where you put a cut up on and you're like, I don't think that guy's an NFL player. And it's just like, it's so Jekyll and Hyde through the course of any given game. And it's just really frustrating to see that inconsistency. And um, I think you give him a little bit more time. The pass protection was good enough that I don't know that you need to make a move at this point. You had two more like fumbled exchanges. I will say both of them looked like they were on the quarterback, but it's crazy that this thing is still happening. But Myers was in on both of them, one to Love, one to Clifford. I'll say it one more time. I think both were on the quarterbacks, but it's still weird that this is is sort of happening at this point in the season. But Josh Myers, negative 1.05, by far and away my lowest graded player in the game. Sean Clifford, this is exactly what you want to see is your backup quarterback who's playing in garbage time be your second lowest graded player on offense. Uh, he had a fumbled snap. I put that on him. That was the only negative on the play uh, on the day for Clifford. Other than that, he just handed the ball off. But um, the, the one fumbled snap was, I, I thought on him and he got a negative grade for it. Luckily, they recovered. And then third, John Runyon Jr., same same thing, but to a lesser extent than than Josh Myers. Really good day in pass protection. I didn't think he was all that good in run blocking, and a little bit of that inconsistency, which we've seen from Meyer or from uh, John Running Jr. in the past. Where same thing, like you see some really really good stuff, and then there's a couple plays here and there where you're just like, all right, what the heck happened there? So you want to see that consistency from JRJ. Uh, it's been sort of an issue throughout his career. There'll be a couple hiccups here and there, but if if 
if that performance from JRJ is your third worst performance of the day and your second worst is a backup quarterback playing in garbage time because he fumbled a snap, you're in really good shape. Myers was really the only one who stood out here as a real negative. Some noteworthy grades. I know a lot of people really harsh on AJ Dillon in this one. Listen, you can tell the difference between Aaron Jones and, and AJ Dillon in the game. There's a tangible difference. It's real. Um, Jones is just far more explosive, far more elusive. But Dylan, I didn't think was terrible in this game. I thought a lot of those really negative run plays, it just happened to be that Dylan was in the game and it was blocked really poorly. There wasn't much that Dylan could do. There was a couple plays where he could, but I thought he evened that out with a couple really good pass protection plays. Did have a drop, but the drop wouldn't have amounted much anyway. He probably gets two yards on the catch or maybe even one rather than zero on the drop. So it wasn't anything too egregious. But um, not not a great day from AJ by any extent. And I think when he gets that extra playing time, when Jones goes down, you want to see him make a little bit more of that. So I'm not saying that this is something to like, wow, you like, you know, don't be hard on him or whatever. I think it can be better, but I didn't think it was this brutal game from AJ Dillon either. So I went go back and look at it and you'll see there's a lot of times you just didn't have much to work with on the running game, at least. Luke Musgrave plus 0.4 grade. He was fantastic as a, a blocker, far better than I maybe ever expected him to be. Um, really enjoyed him. And fantastic is uh, relative. Like he wasn't, we're not talking about Mercedes Lewis or, you know, some big time, you know, run blocking player here, but fantastic relative to expectations. And maybe that's just because they were so low, but he got in the way, he lost slowly, and I was just really impressed by his overall day as a blocker. And then he comes up with a couple catches as well. Missed the one down the sideline where he's got to keep running. He's got to figure out a way to run through the other catch so he makes it a touchdown rather than stumbling uh, down and getting touched down. But um, overall, thought it was a really nice first day for Luke Musgrave as well. And then Dontavian Wicks, another really interesting one. Negative 0.05 grade on the day, but, but, Highest uh, snapped wide receiver. He played more snaps than any other wide receiver in the game. He blocked well. He had a couple plays where he smoked the corner off the line of scrimmage, got open on a few different occasions. The ball just didn't come his way. The only reason this was a negative is he had two penalties. He had a holding penalty, he had a false start penalty. And it was a pretty weak false start, like the back of his leg just twitched a little. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that they called it, but uh, those are the only two, like th- th- that was the main negative was the, the the two penalties. Had it not been, it would have been a solid grade. And I thought overall, this was a really positive performance from Wicks. All right, my top three defensive players in this game, Quay Walker plus 1.40. I think I had this question from a lot of people. All right, that's great that he had a, you know, a huge grade, but we know he had the pick six. Was it just all the pick six? It was not. He had a really nice grade. Wouldn't have been in my top three had it been, you know, not been for the pick six, but would have had a really nice grade even had it not been for the pick six. I agree. I'll just give you the, the you know, low and, you know, whatever, like the, the dirty of it. Um, I'll give you a peek behind the curtain. Let's put it that way. Uh, I give him a plus 1.0. The highest you can get on a play is plus 2.0. And a lot of times that's like circumstantial. Like a 2.0 would be like you had a, game-winning pick six with no time left in the Super Bowl or something like that, just like greatest play you could ever possibly have. So I thought the only reason this wasn't higher for Quay is because of the difficulty of the interception. Like A, like at that point, the Packers are in the lead. Um, it's not like this massive, massive play. It's a really big play, but um, that's part of it. But the bigger thing is like the difficulty of the interception wasn't high. Justin Fields threw it right freaking to him. Had it been a more difficult, like he made this incredible read and jumped the play and made a spectacular interception and then how's it? Going to be a little bit higher. But I thought the the pick overall was easy. What he did after was phenomenal. And the run after the catch was just incredible. Like I joked with Aaron Nagler when I ch- chatted with him earlier this week of like, he might've been the Packers second best running back in the game behind Aaron Jones, just on that one carry, if you will. But 
really good game for Quay. Had a you know plus 0.4 grade even without the interception, without the pick six. You know would have been uh, a highly graded player regardless. So I thought he 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 really um you know played aggressive, played fast. And I, I mentioned this the other day too, but. Last year, what he really struggled with was getting off of blocks. He had a play in this game where he was starting to shed a block and the offensive lineman had to hold him so that he wouldn't get to the running back and he drew a holding penalty. That doesn't happen in 2022. So you saw some real signs of growth from Quay Walker in this game, not just the pick six. Devontae Wyatt, plus 1.0 grade. He looked unblockable at times. I know the one play, they literally didn't block him and he got the sack on it, but the explosiveness and the closing speed on that play was really, really fun. And then just other, like... Man, like he just looked like a totally different player. And this kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't really see this this version of Devontae Wyatt in training camp or preseason. And I don't know if he's just a gamer, just like, hey, the lights are on, it's time to go. That could possibly be. But this is always a player who hustled hard, who had insane athleticism. We saw that shine through and he did not look like he was a fun player to block on Sunday in any capacity. And more often than not, he was winning his battles. A really, really nice day for Devontae Wyatt. By the way, he was my highest graded player in week 18 against the Lions on defense last year. So hopefully he is now stacking and maybe figure this out a little bit. If he can continue this go like moving forward, that would be a massive win for this Packers defense. And then maybe my favorite performance of the day, Rashawn Gary, plus 0.75, five pressures, a would have been sack had it not been for a penalty that wiped it out. A plus 0.75 grade, five pressures on 12 snaps, a plus 0.75 grade, five pressures on 12 snaps on his first game back from a torn ACL. This dude is a freak, an absolute freak. I He looked he looked better. How do you come off an ACL and look better? Like, I don't even know how to put it in words. He was fantastic. He's only going to get better as the season goes along. They probably could have played him more if the score wasn't what it was. Like, my, he is, he's, he's in for a big season. If he can, if that, if that's the Rashawn Gary, we're going to get on a week to week basis. Speaking of unblockable, he's right there with them. This was a really fun, the, the most fun 12 snap performance I have ever seen. I think in my life, kudos to that guy for not only making it back, not only playing in the game, but playing at that level. Whew, that was really, really fun to watch. A couple honorable mentions, Razul Douglas plus 0.65. He had a really nice day. Kenny Clark plus 0.50. He was his normal Kenny Clark self as well. My bottom three defensive players, Carl Brooks, negative 0.4. Nothing egregious here. Got a lot of playing time towards the end. Had a couple plays where he just kept sort of like running into other players. Had a couple plays where he just kind of got wiped out of the play entirely. Um, You could just tell like he was kind of thinking out there and not always a million percent assignment sure. Just sort of some rookie stuff. Also had a really nice sack, which helped that grade, obviously. Uh, But just some things to clean up. And I do worry a little bit about him in the run game right now if he would need to play significant snaps. But I think there's still a lot of upside there. He showed he can get off of blocks. He got double, de- you know, double teamed a couple times, which nothing he could have done about. But overall, not a terrible first day performance from Carl Brooks. And I think the sack and some of the stuff he did is certainly uh, worth building upon. But a couple plays he'd like to have back, to say the least. Kingsley and Igbari, same thing. Had a couple nice plays where he got pressures into the backfield. I think it was the two-point conversion where he spun off the player and uh, was able to get pressure and, and force an incompletion from Justin Fields. Uh, had, like I said, a couple of really nice plays, but also played a lot in that second half and, and certainly in some of the garbage time. I thought Darnell Wright did a really nice job in this game. Rookie, first-round pick out of Tennessee. You know, he was one of my favorite players in the draft. I thought he did a nice job on Enigbari overall. And then Rudy Ford, negative 0.3. I think a lot of players, you know, not a lot of people maybe going in would have expected that he was maybe the, the lowest graded player in this game. 
there were certainly some plays. He missed some tackles. He wants to have back. He had the big 15-yard penalty. That was not ideal. So there was a lot of stuff that he needs to get cleaned up in this game. He also flew around like a missile on a few different occasions. He had one play where he screamed up from the back safety to just absolutely level a running back on the opposite side of the field. He rallied to the football more often than not. Uh, he had a couple of nice plays where he got to the right spot in coverage. So there was some good stuff from Rudy Ford in this game. By far and away, not his best game that we've seen, even as a Green Bay Packer, but um, not quite as egregious and terrible as I think it looked at on on first view on the TV tape. And TV tape is always really hard for safeties because a lot of times you just barely get to see what they're actually doing down the field. So didn't think it was quite as bad as it looked. Um, my noteworthy ones for the Packers on this day, Darnell Savage got a lot of publicity in this game. I had an even grade on him. Love the 10 tackles. Love that he hit aggressively and physically. Love that he was screaming to the football, playing with his hair on fire. A couple plays in coverage where Chicago could have gotten some big completions. They did get one early against him in coverage. Just kind of caught off guard a little bit at times. And that's kind of the Darnell Savage that we see where when he's playing fast, he's good. When he's kind of thinking through things, he's not as good. So I will take this Darnell Savage all day, every day. If we get that Darnell Savage that we saw on Sunday uh, through 17 games this season, maybe more, I will gladly, gladly take that. It'd be a huge step up from where he was the past two seasons and would be a big win for this Packers defense. But I wouldn't put him in like the, oh my goodness, he was amazing this game. He was neutral, couple plays in, in, in pass defense that he liked to have back, couple plays uh, that he really made physical tackles and, and flew around the football. So take the good with the bad. And like I said, I'll overall take that performance from Savage. Keyshawn Nixon, negative 0.1. The intermediate stuff, the short stuff, man, he was flying through blockers to get to wide receiver screens. He was coming up in the run game, played a physical brand of football, doesn't lack confidence. This is the exact Keyshawn Nixon that we saw in training camp. On the flip side, some of the same things we saw in coverage. He gives up the the big touchdown. They completed a little... um, like flare out to, uh, against him early in the game where it was his assignment. And I think he was kind of worried about that again. So he kind of gets over and then they take it on the wheel route and he gets beat on that. So he did get beat in coverage a couple day, a couple times throughout the day. I do think that's going to be something that continues. I don't think he's the most high-end cover guy in the world, but he makes some really fun plays in that nickel spot and run defense and pass, like in the, in the screen game. And he's flying around the field too. So I think you take some of the good with the bad with Keyshawn here. I did mention with Justice Mosqueda and Aaron Nagler earlier this week, I wonder if there's a world in which on obvious, obvious passing downs, can you get Carrington Valentine on the outside with Razul and maybe Jair Alexander in the slot in those obvious nickel situations and just maybe get your best cover guys on the field. But overall, like I said, I'm willing at, at least at this point to take some of the good with the bad. Speaking of Carrington Valentine, barely played, was their dime corner, played on the outside. Razul went in the slot, also played a lot in garbage time, plus 0.35. He looked fantastic in very limited playing time. To get that grade in, in minimal snaps at corner, it wasn't tested, but was very, very sound in coverage. And had he been tested, was always in the right spot. So that was a promising sign from him. And then LVN, for, you know, rookie first round pick, everyone's always curious, had the big sack. I had a neutral grade on him, but I think it was this is another one that I would grade as a pretty big positive for his first performance in the NFL. Again, you can get the full grades over at PackerReport.com. That explains the full grading system as well. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe. Hit that button below. If you are on audio podcast, make sure to hit the automatic downloads as well. That helps the, the show as well. So if you want to support in just the easy ways, make sure to comment, like, subscribe, give that five-star review, hit automatic downloads, whatever you can do. Always appreciate that. Check out our Packaday memberships on the YouTube channel. You can get your Packaday swag at PackadayPodcast.com. 
think that's all I have to plug today. Appreciate you guys a ton. I'll be right back here tomorrow. Uh, Sam Monson's going to be joining me, so you're not going to want to miss that from Pro Football Focus. They had Justin Fields graded higher than Aaron, uh, than Jordan Love by 0.1 points. I think that's an interesting one. want to ask him about that. So uh, we'll see what they have to say about the grading of Fields over Jordan Love in that game. I'll see you guys then, but until next time, and as always, go Paco.